following message is from North Place Church. For more information about North Place Church, visit northplacechurch.com. We're here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that impacts our everyday life. And today is the first sermon in three that we are going to talk about what does it look like to walk in the power of the resurrection in the 21st century. And as we begin that journey today, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine named Susan. I want you to hear part of Susan's story. I am actually the third generation of women who married abusive men in my family. A lot of people thought I was addicted to drugs or alcohol, but in reality, I was addicted to the addict himself. And I kept thinking, I can fix the problems. And I kept just digging deeper and deeper in a hole to the tune of about $650,000. One day I decided to take enough money to pay our rent and to cover the back payments on the cars and then a little groceries. I opened up the door to him holding that over my head for eight years. It was always, if you don't pay my drug bill, then I'm going to turn you in. My employers actually found the evidence and called me up into the uh, executive floor. The chief executive officer, or chief financial officer, met me there and had it laid out on the desk, the evidence they had found. To this date, I don't know if he made the phone call and turned me in or if they actually stumbled across it. The sad part about it, I was pregnant with our, my fourth child. I thought the child was going to be my saving grace to not go to prison. I guess about six months. She's about six months old when they started prosecuting me. And I ended up embezzling, charged with three different felonies. I got a combination of 50 years. We're going to visit more of Susan's story in a moment, but I want to make a statement that I hope sticks with you today and beyond. The resurrection is the key to everything. And I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and I'm going to intentionally read from Paul's writing out of the Amplified Bible, and I will admit to you the Amplified Bible is a wordy version of the Bible, but it's because it takes adjectives and descriptive terms to help you understand what is written there, and it's an awesome tool for Bible study, but I'm going to read it here today, 1 Corinthians 15, listen to what Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, which means useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also vain, imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. We are even discovered to be false witnesses misrepresenting God because we testified concerning Him that He raised Christ whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either." And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. You are still in your sins and under the control and penalty of sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have died in Christ, are lost. If we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life and this is all there is, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. I want to ask you a question today. It's a probing question. 
I want you to think deeply about it. If the bones of Jesus were found tomorrow, and it could be proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that they were the actual bones of Jesus Christ, would you walk away from Christianity? You should. Because faith in a dead Jesus is powerless and delusional. The great apostle Paul, the man that wrote nearly half of the New Testament, agrees with me that you should walk away from Christianity should they find the bones of Jesus. Let me repeat what he said to the Corinthians. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. It's useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also vain, imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. I want to make sure you get this. If the resurrection didn't happen, all of this going on this weekend is a delusion. I've been wasting my life for the last 25 years peddling a lie, and you're making the most foolish investment of your time imaginable today by being in this room right now. Paul says in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. Now think about this. We have a 20-acre tract of ground that borders our church property about a quarter of a mile down the road on Pleasant Valley. And just suppose next week when you drove into the church property, there was a temple being erected on that 20-acre track of land, and there was a sign that went up that said, this temple is being constructed to the worship and honor of the most holy Peter Pan. And when they finished, people gathered in there, and they literally sang songs in worship to Peter Pan, and they talked about his life and his good deeds and What kind of conversations would go on in your family's car as you drove in and out of our church every week watching those people go in and out of a temple to the honor and worship of Peter Pan? You would probably say something like, what a waste of life. Those people are delusional. That's just a fairy tale. Who could possibly be so gullible? This is so bad, I feel sorry for those people. And that's exactly what people who don't believe in the resurrection say about us. And if there is no resurrection, they are right. This facility might as well be a cathedral to Peter Pan. Paul said so in verse 19. If the resurrection didn't happen and we only have hope in this life and this is all there is, we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. So when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, what's at stake? Everything. Because the resurrection is the key to everything. And if that's the case, it would make sense that I would spend the remainder of our time together trying to validate the resurrection and try to explain and prove the historical reliability that it was a real, actual event. But that's not my goal today. There are people who are smarter than I am who've written books and given lectures and written articles that address that issue in great detail. And one of those authors and one of those books is Lee Strobel, and the book is The Case for Easter. Lee Strobel holds a journalism degree from the University of Missouri and a law degree from Yale. He's the former legal editor of the Chicago Tribune and was a spiritual skeptic until 1981. His wife, a very smart woman, Uh, converted to Christianity, and Lee thought she had lost her mind, that she had basically fallen into some Peter Pan type of worship trap. And because she's an intelligent woman, he thought, I'll reason with her. So he decided that he would put Jesus on trial. And he would put Jesus through the same scrutiny he did any cold case that was coming before the Chicago Tribune, and he would look at the evidence. And as he studied through the evidence, everything kept leading him back to the resurrection. 
Because he knew if he could disprove the historical reliability of the resurrection, the whole message of Christianity would unravel. If the resurrection didn't happen, this is a delusion. If it never happened, everything Jesus said is a lie. Everything the Bible says is wrong. If the resurrection is true, however, then it's all true. Jesus' words are validated as true, and the Bible is true. No one's ever said such revolutionary things as Jesus, and hinged the validity of all that he said on the promise that he would return from the grave. If I come back, you better believe everything I said. If I don't, don't pay attention to anything I said. In other words, if the resurrection never happened, nothing matters. If the resurrection did happen, it's the only thing that matters. So Strobel put the resurrection of Jesus through the same scrutiny he would have other issues of legal review and historical research. And after years of research, he came to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus was a historically reliable event. And instead of proving his wife wrong, he found enough evidence that he actually became a follower of Jesus Christ. And I truly believe if you will be intellectually honest and give the information the same form of review that Lee Strobel did, I encourage you to take that journey. There's a likelihood that you will come to a similar conclusion. Lee's a pretty smart guy. And brilliant people every day put their faith in Jesus. Some say that this is only a crutch for the weak. But brilliant people every day prove that wrong by putting their faith in Jesus. Not just on faith, but because there is enough evidence there that points them to a faith-filled decision. But for today, putting Jesus on trial and proving the resurrection is not my objective. The issue today is not what proves the resurrection. The issue for me today is another question. What does the resurrection prove? Jesus is alive. So what? What does that prove? What relevance does the 2,000-year-old resurrection of a Jewish rabbi have in my life right now? The tomb is empty. So what? I want to use the visual of this door behind me and the actual door I'm wearing intentionally on my shirt today. You're going to see a lot of doors and a lot of keys around North Place Church over the next three weeks because there is a message in them, a lot of imagery in the Bible around doors and keys. And we're going to talk about those. And we refer to this, uh, this scenario behind me as a door, but there's so much more to what's behind me than the actual door. And I want to look at it piece by piece to answer the so what question. The resurrection frames the whole story of God. Look at the frame. The resurrection frames the whole message of the Bible. The resurrection frames the life of Jesus. If the resurrection isn't true, the whole thing comes unraveled. But if the resurrection is true, it is the frame that holds it all together. The resurrection is the theological framework that Christianity is founded on. From Genesis all the way to the point of the resurrection, the whole Bible anticipates and looks forward to that moment. From the moment of the resurrection onto the end of the Bible, all the way till today, all of history hinges on that reality. Let me say it another way. Our history ends at the cross. Our future begins at the resurrection. You need to get that, especially if you have a past like mine. It's good news to know that your history ends at the cross and new life and a future begins at the resurrection. All of history your story and your life now and in eternity hinge on the resurrection and what you decide to do with that information. So I've said the frame. You've heard me use the word 
hinge. That's the second piece because the resurrection is the hinge on which the integrity of the Word of God swings. Here's something we've already established. If the resurrection never happened, nothing matters. If the resurrection did happen, it's the only thing that matters. It's all true or none of it's true. If Jesus defeated death and rose from the dead, then all the promises that God had made to us for eternity and all the promises that He made that are available to our life in the here and now are trustworthy promises if Jesus really rose from the dead. That's why Paul told the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. At the resurrection, they were fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And so I challenge you, if you can get your heart and head around the resurrection of Jesus, you need to find the promises in God's word, build your family on it, build your business on it, build your life on it, because those promises have integrity, the resurrection validates them. It's the frame that holds the story of God together. The resurrection is the hinge that all of the words of God hang on. It is the hinge that gives integrity to the word of God. Here's the third part. It's the actual door itself. A door is an access point. It's how you get into a place. It's how you get into a relationship. It's how you get a new job. It's how you get a new opportunity. In business, education, in the world, we'll often ask a friend, hey, introduce me to so-and-so. It's somebody you don't know, somebody you don't have access to on your own. Introduce me to so-and-so. Maybe that so-and-so is somebody you want to meet, maybe strike up a romantic relationship. Or maybe that's somebody you want to meet because if you know that person, it'll have you a better shot at getting that job or closing that deal. And what you're really asking that person to do, you often ask them, hey, will you open that door for me? You're asking them to leverage their relationship to give you access where you would not have access on your own. They are your door to a new opportunity. They are your access point into that new relationship. That's why Jesus said in John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. In other words, Jesus is saying, you want a relationship with God? You want to know Him personally? You want to walk with Him now and for all of eternity? Then I am your access point. I am the way. I am the door. Notice what He said, John 10, 9. I am the door. Not a door, the door. There are not multiple access points to God or multiple doors to God. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And I understand, I get it, that that makes somebody in this room skin crawl. The exclusivity of that statement does not fit our world. Because you may be one of the people who say, I don't want to believe there is only one way to God. I would love to believe in Jesus. I would love to learn from His principles. But I cannot get my brain around the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. And let me challenge that by pointing you back to the resurrection because the resurrection is the key to everything. Remember, if the resurrection never happened, you can't trust anything Jesus said. But if the resurrection is true, then everything Jesus said is true. It was all validated by the resurrection if the resurrection is true. Jesus said, listen to what he said, John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to the Father except through me. I know it's exclusive, but he's God, and he made the claim. If he rose from the dead, don't pay, if he didn't rise from the dead, don't pay a lick of attention to that. 
If he rose from the dead, you better bank your life on it. He said it. He is either the way or he is no way at all. He cannot be a way. It's not possible. If he rose from the dead, it validates everything he said, and that would make him the way, the door. And if he's wrong about that, he's wrong about everything else he said. I want you to listen in on a conversation between the Apostle John and the resurrected Jesus. John is seeing the resurrected Jesus, and it's recorded in Revelation chapter 1. John writes, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, this is Jesus. Now, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. That still doesn't answer the so what question. You know, that's awesome. So what? What difference does him being alive, defeating death, what does that prove? The next phrase of Jesus answers the so what question. It proves why the resurrection matters. He said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And then he says, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I want you to get this. Jesus is the door. He is your access point to God. There are keys hanging on that doorknob. And he holds those keys. He is the door, but he holds the keys. He holds the keys that can unlock the imprisoned potential of your life because he is alive, because he conquered death and the grave. The keys in his hand are keys of power. They are keys that can set you free from the imprisoned potential of your life. I want us to check back in. I want you to hear a little more of Susan's story. When we were um, in the middle of, of going to trial, I started going to a small church I started going because I've made this mess and I wanted God to fix it. I asked God not to send me to prison. He didn't see it that way. It wasn't long after that that uh, we went to trial and I got the maximum. Once I got to my unit, which was the hobby unit, which one of the worst units for women in the state of Texas, I continued to go to church. Deep in my heart, I knew God wanted more for me. So I would go to church and I'd just sit on the back row and I would listen to the word and I would sing with praise and worship and things, but then I would just go back to my cell until one day I saw a group of women who participated in the church and they were happy. He just kept prompting me and the Holy Spirit did until I got up and I walked towards them, thinking the whole time they're gonna think I'm crazy, but I, walked up and I said, he's telling me I'm supposed to get involved. The woman didn't even hesitate. She just told me where to start turning out. So many things, so many opportunities opened up after that little act of obedience of me just walking to the front and making that commitment to get involved. So I started signing up for Bible studies and, and just everything I could, whether it be through the mail or people coming in to volunteer and teach these classes. I wanted to know all there was in Christ. God started molding me from the inside out. The resurrection proves that the past can positively impact the future, that antiquity can impact modernity, that the past 
can be made relevant in the present, that the 2,000-year-old story of the resurrection of a Jewish rabbi can make a difference in your life today. When Jesus was saying that he held the keys, he's saying, because I've defeated death, I have the power to unlock anything that holds you captive. And I not only hold the keys to your eternity, I hold the keys to anything that plagues you in the present. All of his suffering and death and resurrection wasn't so that a bunch of religious people could have a holiday, invite a few friends, and church growth could happen a little more on Sunday of Easter weekend. No, that wasn't at all about so we could have a holiday. No, he, he, he descended into death and, and rose again and returned with power, holding the keys that unlocked the imprisoned potential of your life. And you don't experience Easter by simply reminiscing about a 2,000-year-old event. You experience Easter by having a resurrection of your own where every hopeless and captive area of your life is set free and given a second chance because he holds the key to every chain, every lock that has you bound. In Jesus' message to John in Revelation 1, it was very simple and yet it was profound. I was dead, now I'm alive, and I hold the keys. Whoever has the keys has power. Whoever has the keys has access. Whoever has the keys has authority. Jesus has the power, the authority, and the access to unlock the imprisoned part of who you are. He is the key to realizing the fullest potential of your life, of joy on this earth, and the most fulfillment you could ever possibly know. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. And he can know Christ because Jesus is a door to give him access to places he could never go on his own. Same for you and I. We can know Christ. But notice what Paul says. I want to do more than just know Christ. He said, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I don't just want to be acquainted with him. I don't want to just hear about him. I don't just want to attend church on a few occasions. I want to experience what the empty tomb makes available to me. I want to know what it means to walk in the power of the resurrection. We're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks, what that looks like in the 21st century. But let me ask you a question today. Are you living today, are you living with less than what Jesus died for? Or are you walking in all that Easter and the empty tomb promises to you? I want you to listen closely to me. Because the tomb is empty, you don't have to be. I don't know what you face today whether it's decisions of your own or injustices that have been committed against you. But whatever has caused the emptiness in your life, because the tomb is empty, you don't have to be. I want you to, we're going to move into the third part, last part of Susan's story. And there are a few people that I've asked to help me on the platform. And while this plays, I'm going to ask them to join me. Listen to Susan's story. I was released about 15 years ago. And in the beginning, it was tough rebuilding a relationship with my kids. I knew I had to just walk in Christ. I had to love them where they're at. And he, God restored those relationships. I actually went back to prison to volunteer because I wanted people to know that there was the ones I left there, the ones that are still doing time, I wanted them to know that there was life after prison. And, but that you needed to get grounded in the Word of God now. 
Don't think you're gonna have to wait and, and get it together when you got home. You start getting it together there. I started praying for, for someone to be able to go with me. I wasn't particularly praying for a husband. I just was wanting, you know, maybe another single woman to go with me. God brought a man into my life that um, when I told him about my history, I expected him to run away, but he didn't. He embraced it and we got married. He fell in love with the, the ladies on the inside and the work. He's still with me 10 years later going in. This week is the week that my 20 year sentence is complete. I've paid my debt to society and my rights are being reinstated. I get to vote, which is something that I've longed to do since I was released. This chapter's over and I get to move on. I don't know what the future holds for me. I just know God's got me and He has a plan and it's to prosper me. And I can't wait to see what where God's taking us. I don't know if you caught that, but not only has God restored Susan's relationship with her children, blessed her with a godly husband and launched her into a growing ministry back into the prisons, but this week, and I don't think it's coincidental, I think it's prophetic, this week, her full rights as a U.S. citizen have been restored. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, Susan has had her own resurrection, new life, abuse, embezzlement, emptiness plagued her life, but because of the resurrection, she's been set free from the prison of her past. This is what walking in the power of the resurrection looks like. Come on, celebrate His grace, would you? You may be seated. Susan did not know this coming into the weekend, but one of the things that we want to do, she's been so vulnerable to let us tell her story. Uh, we wanted to partner with her. She goes back into the prisons and does a day with moms and a day with dads and basically allows, she sets it up for the children of incarcerated fathers to be able to spend a day with their dad and the children of incarcerated mothers to be able to spend a day with their mothers. Uh, obviously, there's resources there and we want to come along beside her. So you've got the opportunity into this service that you can connect with um, the special needs prom. And if you want to designate a gift to this prison ministry, just in your, write it to North Place. But if you put on your envelope uh, prison or prison ministry, it will we'll get make sure every dollar goes because this is what it means to walk in the power of the resurrection, to take his grace back to people that need to hear it. I can't tell you how excited we are for what God's doing in your life. You're a trophy in the trophy case of God. Thank you for being here and being a part of today. Thank you, Pastor. Susan's not the only one who understands that the resurrection has power and that Jesus holds the key to imprisoned potential in people's lives. Because crime, concrete, and metal bars are not the only prisons that most of us are held captive by. There is a, a guy here named Chad. A couple years ago, he knew very little about church at all. Knew very little about Jesus. Alcohol controlled his life. It negatively impacted his job. 
and his relationships. But somehow, he and Deidre made their way to North Place Church where they gave their lives to Jesus as a family. They had enough hunger that they connected to a small group and asked the questions. We have a group that is a safe place to ask questions. And they started asking questions, no dumb questions. And they started to grow. And today they serve as servant leaders in our Saturday evening at 6 p.m. service every week at North Place Church. Because of his newfound sobriety, the power of the resurrection at work in his life, Chad has ascended the industry that he is in and is now in management. And I tease him about being the boss man. He runs the show. He always had it in him, but it was imprisoned because of his addiction to alcohol. But Jesus set him free, and now he's walking in the power of the resurrection. This is what resurrection power looks like. I, I started to avoid this because of the pain, but I want to celebrate it. It's a testimony to the work of God. Just a few months ago, Chad is a grandfather, and his daughter lost a baby um, in, in, in a crib at night, and it just rocked their family. Uh, and there's not a lot of people in their family that have spiritual moorings. And I, wor- I worried as a pastor. You know, Haley and I spent a lot of time with Chad and Deidre trying to help them grow. And I worried as a pastor, God, I don't, don't let this rock his world to the point he cashes in and runs and he wouldn't use this term but I watched him pastor his family through devastation and be a solid rock even in his own pain to me Chad that's the power of the resurrection I can't tell you how proud I am of you as a friend as a pastor that you embody what that looks like thank you sir There's a couple here, Wilson and Fritzy Samuel, who struggled to have children. When God finally responded to their prayers, it didn't make sense. They became pregnant with twins in a very risky and complicated pregnancy, and they lost one of the babies and were concerned they were about to lose the other. And as so often happens in life, we're left to deal with the complex blend of opposite emotions, the highest joy and the deepest of sorrows at the same time. And like many of us, Wilson and Fritzy have lived in a season where it felt like God is silent, but they're learning that even when God is silent, it does not mean that He is still. And they are choosing in their questions to trust God beyond the questions to empower them to raise Caleb while they deal with the loss of his twin To me, this is what the power of the resurrection looks like. Wilson and Fritzy's story connects with so many of you that are struggling with infertility or buried a child. There is grace for that. Doesn't mean nobody's going to fake it to you today and tell you that you surrender your life to Jesus and commit it to him, the pain's going to go away. The pain's still there. Didn't, never did the word promise you're not going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It just promised you'd never walk alone. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. There's a lady here who's battled depression to the point she wasn't sure she wanted to live 
It came out of nowhere right after the birth of their first child with a very real fight with postpartum depression. It's been a long battle towards wholeness for Stephanie. But in her own words, she said, depression still comes knocking. But God has shown me the early signs to look for and how to battle them with prayer and prayer warriors he's placed in my life. I'm forgiven, redeemed, and free. In the past, held captive by depression, suicidal thoughts, and emotional war raging on the inside of her that people said wasn't real. But now, because of the power of the resurrection, she is set free from the imprisoned part of her and Jeremy and Stephanie model. This is what the resurrection looks like. I just want to pause for a moment and and thank you for your courage Um, because so many of you are trapped, so many of us, I say this is not an everybody else story, this is our story, but nobody talks about it. Nobody, the ladies that battle with postpartum, they don't talk about it because people question whether this is legit. Uh, People that battle with depression, nobody can get their hands around it, it's so subjective, so people look at them as if they're crazy. And I'm going to take it even beyond the emotional battle. There's a a stigma with mental illness. Beyond the emotional battle, there are people that battle mental illness. And there's a stigma associated with it. I said it a moment ago. I want to say to you again, because the tomb is empty, you don't have to be empty. If there's no hope for depression and there's no hope in the empty tomb for those that battle mental illness, there's no hope for anybody. There's either power in the blood or there's not. And if there is an empty tomb, there is hope for every story, including Stephanie and Jeremy's and yours. Thank you for letting us tell your story. Middle-aged couples are planning spending their lives in empty nest years together after their children are gone, planning the trips they get to take finally, but Life often interrupts those plans when our kids face struggles. Jim and Karen have embraced this unexpected season of raising their grandson, Caden, while their daughter works on piecing her life back together. And instead of being bitter about this season and the unexpected twist that has come their way, Jim and Karen have chosen to inconvenience themselves and walk in the power of the resurrection to release the destiny in that little man's life. I don't know if it's a binky or a passy, but he's working on it. And they're working on shaping his life. I get it. He's been here all weekend long trying to make people know Jim overcoming alcohol in his own life, strengthening their marriage, putting them in a place, knowing that there is a resurrection life available for them, for Caden, and for their daughter. New life is coming to this family. This is what resurrection looks like. Thank you, guys. Many of you are familiar with the physical battle of one of our pastor's sons, Brennan Dufrin. Brennan started a battling a life-threatening intestinal disease in elementary school that has dramatically limited his life. 
He's been forced to receive his nutrients through a pick line for the majority of the last several years. He suffered through countless surgeries, just recently one that will forever alter his life. It's irreversible. He's accumulated multiplied months of stays in the children's hospital. Through the years, Brennan has revealed to us a maturity and a depth. When he was 10 and 15 and now at 18 that most adults don't even know. Somehow in the middle of all this battle from a hospital room and all the makeup work, he's remained at the top of his class. And he's used this nearly decade-long struggle with disease to prepare him for the call of God that is upon his life. The average person would have quit, blamed God, and thrown in the towel. But Brennan has chosen to trust God and walk in the promises that are made available to him by the empty tomb. And to me, this young man is what walking in the resurrection looks like. One year ago yesterday, Miranda Wood, a young wife and mother of two young children, tragically and suddenly died in her sleep with heart complications. I remember it like yesterday. It was a brutal day. Nothing in ministry prepares you to walk into a young husband's home with his little kids and try to deal with that. It's been a brutal year for Kelly, Austin, and Ashton and all of Miranda's family and friends. This week, Kelly and the kids were together as a, you know, as a family trying to pray what they were going to do to moralize Miranda's passing, their mom, their wife's passing. And it just nothing seemed right. I didn't know any of that was going on. I reached out to Kelly. I said, hey, I know this is a stretch. Please don't feel obligated. I've just admired you and your kids in the last year of how you've survived. And he said, but pastor, you don't realize how many nights we go to bed crying. You don't, you don't realize how, how much hell on earth we fight. And I said, I get that, Kelly, and that's the reason I want to celebrate your story. Because sometimes walking in the power of the resurrection, there's no lame healed, there's no blind that walk, there are no the blind that see, no deaf that hear, there's no angels singing. Sometimes walking in the power of the resurrection just means surviving. It means taking another step when you don't think you have it in you. So Kelly got the kids together and said, guys, I know we're praying about this opportunity. Pastor called and immediately kids said, that's it, dad, that's it. We're going to do that. That's the way we're going to honor mom this weekend. And he said, okay, but they're going to have a lot of services. They want to know which services we want to come to. And they said, well, we're going to go to all of them. Because mom loved Jesus and she wanted as many people as she could to know about Jesus. And if we go, what if, what if we don't go to one of those services, Austin said, and there's somebody in that room that needs to hear our story to give them hope. Dad, we have to go to every service. This is what walking in the power of the resurrection looks like.
You can be seated. God is so good. <laughs> so good. This is what it looks like. Every person in this room represents a story that has been or can be impacted by the power of the resurrection. Untold millions celebrate around the world today transformed by what Jesus has done in this life. Every story is another story that validates the power of a resurrected Jesus. And maybe your story is like all of their stories. Every one of them represent the power in an empty tomb. Maybe a single mom that doesn't see how she's going to make it through the end of the month. Or a teacher that doesn't see hope in a struggling student in a failing system. A person that's struggling with gender identity issues. The addict that can't seem to shake an addiction or the investor that's lost it all. The midlife crisis that has brought you to a new season you can't figure out. The pain of child abuse that impacts adult relationships. The teenager with self-destructive thoughts. A college student that doesn't know where they're going to pay last semester's bill. The dad that just lost his job. The hopelessness of a failed relationship. The doctor that found success, everything you looked for. And when you got to that destination, you were still empty on the inside and you're hiding in the shadows of the empty spaces in your soul. The young husband who just found out his wife is having an affair and your world is caving in. The crippled widow or the widow that has become crippled by the fear of being alone. For you, say to you today, these stories on this platform and the countless thousands I can't name prove that Jesus is the door and that he holds the key to unlock the imprisoned potential of your life. There is freedom, there is hope, there is joy, there is fulfillment beyond the grave. They prove it, the resurrection proves it. He's alive and you have hope today. was worth saving oh you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping you cleaned me up inside thought I was to die for you sacrificed your life so I could be free I could be whole and I could tell everyone I know. I want to close with two references in the Bible. This is a prayer I prayed all week long over you today. I've been praying this. I don't, I don't know everybody in this room today, but God knew who would be here. And I started praying this prayer weeks ago. And I don't want you just to hear it in your head. I want you to get it into your heart. Paul prayed it over us. Ephesians 1.19, I pray, I pray this for you today, that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe in Him. It is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what Easter's about. That's what the resurrection is for. Not an irrelevant 2,000-year-old event so that religious people can have a holiday. That's what a lot of people will make this weekend.
but there's real power available to those who believe in Him to release whatever is captive in your life. Now the last passage I want to read to you is a passage that has real relevance to somebody in this room who has never known Jesus and you sense something in this room today. You sense that maybe the God of creation is actively pursuing you and longing to be in relationship with you. He is, and I hope you sense that. Or maybe you're someone that has known faith, you went to school, Sunday school as a kid, but you know, kind of adult responsibilities came and the faith you learned about as a child can't bear the weight of your adult responsibilities and you kind of walked away. And some reason you're back in church today as a guest or you wanted to come to Easter. I want to tell you there's more to it because when you get the whole thing, I promise you it can bear the weight of death, and prison, and sorrow, and everything you can imagine if you get the whole story. If you're in this room and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus or you want to begin again, what Paul says to us in Romans 10 is really important. You may not know how, but here's how you start. Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's that resurrection thing again. It's the key to everything. If you confess with your mouth, he is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. 25 years ago, this year, I stumbled into church drunk, partied all night, was forced to go to church. I left cold-hearted, but something happened, and I came back to a service later, genuine. I sat there while the preacher preached. I knew that the promise he made about my emptiness were real, but here's what, here's, what I, here's what I rejected. I knew that if I said yes when he was about to pray a prayer, this is my thought. I don't want to be a hypocrite, and if I pray this prayer and give my life to Jesus, I'm going to be drunk by Wednesday. I don't want to do that. I can't. I can't. I, I, I've tried. The preacher challenged me that day to surrender, to give him a chance. I didn't know how to pray the prayer. I didn't know what words to say. And he said, I'm going to pray a prayer today and help put words. My words aren't magic. But if in your heart you believe them and you affirm them, something can begin in your life today. So I took some time this week and I penned a prayer very similar. It's on your worship guide on the back side of that survey. I'd love for you to grab it and follow along with me. And I'm going to pray the prayer that I wrote just for you today and there are no magic words this prayer is not magic it completely depends on the affirmation of your heart and I'm going to pray this out loud today and I want you to wrap your faith and your heart around it if you want to begin or begin again in a relationship with Jesus Jesus today I affirm what the Apostle Paul penned in the book of Romans I openly and unashamedly confess you as the authority, the author, the Lord of my life. In the depths of my heart, I believe in the reality of your resurrection. The resurrection validates the integrity of your word. It proves that you are who you say you are and that changes everything for me. You are the door that gives me access to God. You hold the keys that unlock the imprisoned potential of my life. 
Today is the first day of the rest of my life, and I surrender all that I am to you. I ask that you enable me to walk in the power of the resurrection. Empower me to live the overcoming life the resurrection makes possible for me. Today and forever, I am yours. That seems so simple. Nobody would have thought that 25 years after me affirming a prayer, the pastor helped me pray that I'd be sober and I'd be pastoring. Moments like this alter destinies. They alter eternities. And I challenge you to affirm that in your heart. I'm a pastor and I want to help you, okay? That's why I do what I do. I want to help people grow like Chad and others in their relationship with God. There are three boxes at the bottom of that prayer on your worship guide. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ for the very first time or I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you check those boxes or are interested in water baptism, make sure you filled out the other side of this so we can follow up and serve you. But here's what else I want you to do. When you walk out, there are tents in the lobby. We were going to set them up outside. The wind was blowing so bad we brought them inside. At those tents, there's a next step box. There are a lot of things in here that help me grow in my relationship with God, and I want to resource you with those. If you're committing or recommitting or coming back because you've, you've been away from church for a long time, just stop by and let them know, hey, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Brian. Can, can I have one of those boxes? And I ask them to put these in every box. It's a key. I keep things like this with me that are memorials to remind me. They did that in the Old Testament. They set up stones and built altars so that when they saw them, it reminded them of God's goodness. And so today, I ask them to put a key in this box, whether you put it on a keychain or hang it from your mirror or just stick it in your pocket. When you're facing the imprisoned part of you again, you just reach down in there and hold on to that key as a reminder. The tomb is empty. I have hope. Jesus holds the key to unlock what I'm facing right now. I want you to make sure if you commit your life to Christ today or you renew that commitment, I want you to get one of those keys. They're inside these boxes in the white tents when you leave. I'm going to ask our team to prepare to serve you for the offering today. And this is where you put your surveys. They help us so much. Thank you for taking the time to do that. As guests, this is where you let us know you're here so we can be more intimate in our response to you. And this is where those of you that made decisions, you use the same card, perforated, tear it off, place it in the offering that we receive. This is where our faith family will worship in giving today, and their normal weekly giving. And if you want to worship and, 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 and invest in the special needs prom or the day with dad in the prison or the day with mom in the prison, um, then mark it prison on the envelope or mark it prom and we'll make sure that every dollar that you designate there gets to that place. Thank you in advance for your generosity and as you're served I'm going to ask Bear to sing it one more time I believe it has new context ladies and gentlemen you serve the congregation today he thought you were worth saving today you thought I was worth saving you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping you cleaned me up inside Thought I was to die for You sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving 
changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. You cleaned me up inside. Thought I was to die for. You sacrificed your life so I could be free. I could be whole. I could tell. Prayer team, would you come and make yourself available today? We, at the end of every service, have a group of people that function in an eldership role for us at a time of prayer. The Bible tells us if we call the elders of the church and pray, the prayer of faith, that miracles can happen, and there is no better day to believe for a miracle to happen in your life than on Resurrection Weekend. It'd be a shame to talk about Jesus being the door and holding the keys and if you need a miracle in your marriage not give you a chance for prayer if you need a miracle in your business or your finances not give you a chance to have somebody pray with you about those situations in your life if you made a decision to follow Jesus and you want someone to pray with you about that or you want to talk to somebody about your relationship with Jesus we're here to serve you today we'd love to walk with you as you journey towards new life and resurrection I know they're still serving the last few rows, and I'll have you stand in just a moment when they're finished, but I know you did a lot of standing and sitting today. Um, maybe you didn't expect it, but uh, I like fitness. I'm into that, so I'll give you 200 calorie credit for all of the excess up and down. Uh, count it 10 burpees uh, on your excess, your exercise routine, okay, uh, for all the up and downs today, but it's just, uh, I know what it is in your heart. It's a, it's a it's a praise and an honor and a gratitude because you see the resurrection power in people's lives and you want to turn it back to him. If you're a guest, don't miss the chance to get your ticket to the after party tomorrow night, the chance to win a prize, that $500 gift card we want to make available to you. We'd love to meet you personally tomorrow. Um, and I know what's going to happen. We're going to stand in a moment. I'm going to pray a dismissal. People are going to leave. Uh, and it's going to be really inconvenient for some of you because you're going to say, oh, well, if you've got a few minutes, the crowd will disseminate. And if you need a miracle, we're going to wait and linger and keep it worshipful. We'll pray with you. Would you stand with me all over this place? Father, will you bless them and keep them? Will you make your face shine down upon them? Will you be gracious to them today and turn your countenance their direction? And I pray an abundance of peace will come upon their lives today. We thank you for the resurrection power that is available to us today. And may it change us. May today go down in history and so many lives as a day their destiny was altered. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter and thank you for coming to North Place Church. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to duplicate or to share this message. For more information about North Place Church, visit northplacechurch.com.